There's more similarities than you might realise between the work required of a doctor in the Australian military and the everyday work of a general practitioner. Traditionally, Army GPs have been assisted in their training by the RACGP, but more recently, the ADF has been turning to ACRAM to make sure their doctors are trained in environments which reflect their in-field practice of medicine. Recently, ACRAM signed a Memorandum of Understanding with the ADF at their national conference. I caught up with Captain Bob Warswick, an Army doctor and an ADF ACRAM registrar at the RMA19 conference to talk about the current state of training for military doctors and how both colleges will facilitate this training now and into the future. So my name is Captain Bob Warswick and I am an Army doctor and ADF ACRAM registrar. And this is the first time that we've interviewed someone who is an army doctor on the Medical Republic podcast. Uh, but I guess the RMA conference is the best place where you can find someone who has worked in rural medicine or remote medicine in the army's case in a different way that other GPs have worked in remote medicine. But you're here for a very special reason at this conference. Could you explain that to us? Yeah, so um, we're very fortunate at the conference this year uh, to have signed a memorandum of understanding between ACRAM and the ADF uh, for the training of ADF doctors uh, as rural generalists. Uh, it's, the, uh, it's the product of about a year or a bit over a year's worth of, of liaison and consultation between the two organisations recognising that we, we have a common problem uh, or, or a common end and that is both organisations want to have general practitioners uh, who can provide both comprehensive primary care and emergency care in rural and remote environments and that is exactly what the ADF workplace is. It's, uh, it's an environment where we need our doctors to be more than just a GP. Uh, we need them to be uh, a general practitioner, we need them to be a specialist in occupational medicine, we need them to have some mental health training, we need them to be, uh, on a bad day, we need them to have uh, some expertise in emergency medicine and, and or anaesthesia, or both at the same time. Uh, and we recognise that uh, rural generalism uh, specifically and training through ACRAM um, is not the only solution to the ADF's medical officer training requirements but it's a very good fit. So if we look back at the history of training for army doctors I know that you mentioned before when we were talking earlier before we started recording the podcast that um, there's been a long history where people training would have done um, work with the RACGP or also through ACRAM uh, doctors as well uh, but sometimes these clinical environments don't actually reflect what is needed um, yeah. as you become a doctor in the military. Yeah so look historically the ADF has uh, has most of the ADF doctors have trained through the RACGP and both colleges do or are intending to train rural generalists. Um, but our historical linkages to uh, the RACGP, there are a number of reasons for those. And as ACRAM has built itself and grown as a college, um, from my perspective I think that there is a realisation that perhaps the training that ACRAM offers better represents the ADF workplace. Um, because having trained through both pathways, both as an RACGP registrar and as an ACRAM registrar, and I have personal experience of the training requirements for both colleges, uh, and I also have a very uh, good understanding of what is expected of me as an Army doctor. And you know, both colleges provide great GP training, um, but ACRAM uh, does a little bit more that is relevant 
uh, for ADF doctors in the line of work that we are uh, expected to be employed in, uh, to be able to be uh, operating independently uh, in environments that are austere with limited resources, inability to fall back upon you know, other people for support, etc. So if we go into this memorandum in a little bit more detail, what will it ensure for both parties? Uh, look, so it's, it really fundamentally allows both organisations to understand each other. One of the challenges uh, that the ADF medical officers encounter during their training is that we're different. We are a small number of trainees, but we, uh, we are quite different in some respects to a lot of the other trainees because we have the exigencies of our ADF service that can interfere uh, with our GP training requirements. Um, and so one of the key outcomes from the Memorandum of Understanding is, uh, is a recognition that both organisations can communicate with each other because we both want the same outcome. We want highly skilled and trained JP, uh, GPs who can provide the best possible healthcare to the young men and women who volunteer to serve their country. And importantly, um, what the ADF needs from vocational training for its doctors is not so much a rigid and rules-based approach to GP training, but we need something that is more flexible and allows for bespoke training needs so that we can best meet the healthcare requirements for what we would call a military medicine community of practice. And the Memorandum of Understanding allows ACRAM and the ADF to work towards that so that ACRAM can say to the ADF, you know, what is it that you want your doctors to do? And how can we help you with that? Because there are some, there are some training and experiences that Army doctors or ADF doctors uh, gain by virtue of their service through the ADF. And you know, in some cases, a lot of the things that we do are extremely useful for general practitioners who are working in rural and remote areas. You know, we routinely do pre-hospital care. We routinely do evacuation. Um, but at the moment, under you know, some of the vocational training programs, the experiences that we gather, um, whilst they're very valuable from us from a capability perspective, they're not contributing to our training and development as, as general practitioners. And what the memorandum of agreement uh, with ACRAM allows us to do is to potentially leverage off uh, some of the training that the ADF offers, offers or may develop in the future because the ADF is going through its own review of its medical officer training, it allows us to see where there are similarities and synergies um, so that ADF doctors are not disadvantaged by virtue of having to take time away from their GP training to do what is actually quite relevant and valuable military medical training. Absolutely. And if we look to the future, it seems like historically it's been people from the army, I guess, having to come out into the community and do their training. Do you see maybe a future where ACRAM doctors who are in rural and remote communities could start doing more specialist training in the three branches of the armed forces? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, the ADF is always looking for motivated enthusiastic and highly competent doctors who have a bias for action uh, and who feel confident working in you know areas of ambiguity or uncertainty and certainly you know from my experience as an ACRAM trainee working in a small town in, in rural Queensland um, training as a rural generalist particularly in uh, some of the rural and remote areas of Australia 
uh, provides a found, fantastic foundation of training for those who would subsequently want to consider a career as a doctor uh, in the ADF. Yeah, and it's very interesting to know that this is moving forward. I guess I've interviewed doctors who have done time in Antarctica before, and I think one of the things that comes out is that when it's properly remote medicine, you're not just a GP, you're actually the entire health system in that moment and all the decisions that you have to make. Um, I feel like that could be one of the major themes uh, in training that is needed for um, army training, specifically if you're a GP for the army. Yeah, ex exactly, exactly. That is the ADF workplace and it's not just the army. I mean, I spent last year I spent uh, four weeks at sea on a Navy patrol boat uh, and it doesn't get any more isolated than being in a very small boat, uh, you know, 400 kilometres off the coastline of Australia. Um, and, you know, all you have is what you've carried onto the boat uh, and, you know, your own attitude, skills and knowledge that you may have uh, acquired through your training. So, uh, you know, there are so many, uh, so many different requirements for being an ADF doctor, but the best fit for these is, you know, training as a rural generalist. Absolutely. And do you think there's anything else that GPs would want to know um, coming out of this memorandum? Look, um, what I would say is that we get fantastic support from the GP supervisors uh, out there who uh, very kindly host ADF doctors in their practices because as an ADF doctor, uh, you quite often see a lot of younger and generally fit and well patients. Um, Whereas when we uh, embed ourselves in some of the community practices, it gives us a more broader exposure to the comprehensive general practice and primary care that, that we need to be a, a well-rounded doctor. So I guess um, it's a bit of a pitch out there for any, uh, any GPs who um, would like to host uh, GP registrars, particularly in rural and remote areas. We're always looking um, for GP supervisors, civilian GP supervisors or clinics or areas that uh, might be able to host ADF doctors to help us uh, gain the experience. And what you'll gain is you'll find that uh, you know, you'll have a young, motivated, uh, enthusiastic uh, GP trainee who will be wanting to get as much as they can out of their experience with you because everything they get uh, through their training experience will pay dividends when they are you know, off in some far-flung country um, doing what it is that they've been asked to do by the government or for the country. It's very interesting that you say that and I should have asked you about that. I guess one of the biggest distinctions is that when you're working as a doctor in the military you obviously have much younger people, you don't have I guess the burden of chronic disease or um, things that I guess or I guess um, even obstetrics and things like that that often can take up the bulk of uh, I guess civilian GP practice. Um, how do you find that the response is for those trainees that then go out of that context and back into, mm. I guess, a very community um, focus where there's more paediatrics and things mm. like that going mm. on? Look, it's, um, it's about general practice training, uh, as all of the GP registrars and GP supervisors know, is it's about getting a good balance of comprehensive general practice. Um, and although the ADF uh, populace is generally young and generally fit, you know, the, the average ADF per member is somewhere between the age of 18 and, and 50, there's an awful lot that can happen between 18 years and 50 years of age. So we might see uh, more, uh, more, t more uh, common presentations 
in the ADF, such as you know, musculoskeletal type injuries, but we also get a great variety of presentations, um, including you know, some of the ADF members who get pregnant. So we do get to do antenatal care, shared antenatal care. Uh, and unfortunately, there are some soldiers and sailors and airmen who do get really sick. Um, so it's not that we don't have exposure to that, um, but as you as you noted, we don't get the exposure to chronic disease or paediatrics or, uh, or geriatric medicine, and that's where we like to uh, extend our scope of practice by um, embedding ourselves in civilian practice um, so that we can give something to the community uh, and get something back in return in terms of our own learning and development. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining me on the program. You're very welcome.